Obviously want to get into the tour and look back a little bit, talk a little persona non grata and get your opinion on a couple of things. But, uh, dude, I have to start with the uh, congrats on kicking cancer's ass and want to get a little health update and always want to use my platform to talk health, whether it be mental or physical. And I'm always kind of curious when stuff like this happens. What's the warning sign? What was your first inclination? Like, uh, something's going on. I need to get into the doctors. Um, I think that, um, <clears throat> the first thing that happened, like I was losing weight and I was like, I was, I just didn't have a, didn't have hunger for food. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain what that would feel like, but you know, in the past, like I've had those kind of flare ups and it was always like due to anxiety or something, you know, but this felt different and it was, it was uh, lingering and, you know, I was going to see doctors and they, they, they did, they did a bunch of scans. Um, they didn't see anything in the scans. All the blood work was good. And then they did a, um, they sent a camera inside there. So, you know, I urge anybody who's having a gut problem, like if they're, if they persists, you know, they're going to, they're going to put, they're going to do a CT scan first, like tell them you want to, um, uh, endoscopy. That's the best test. That's the best test out there and probably save my ass, you know? looking back what's um, the what's like the time frame like at, at what point is it be too long you know is it a week two weeks a month what's kind of the well i was taking like anti-acid stuff you know like pepsids and whatever and i probably took that Zan- zantac drug that they're talking about causing cancer which you know i brought that up to my doctors too and they they um you know Zantac has a lot of the same stuff that, um, you know, your Pepsids and your other ones have in it too. And at the end of the day, you shouldn't have to take that shit for like a year, you know? So, you know, <clears throat> that was there. And, and it's obviously, um, it was an esophageal type of cancer that showed up in, um, what's called the cardia region of my stomach. And, um, it, um, <clears throat> Yeah, it was forming in there and causing me like not to eat. I couldn't burp. Like that was another one. I was like, "Huh." I had this tumor inside me and and I couldn't burp. And as soon as they gave me my first dose of chemo, like before the surgery, it um like something loosened up in there and I was able to burp. It felt so good. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> you got to take every little part of the journey that's positive, you know, along the way too. But you know, I, I'm thankful and definitely one of the lucky ones, you know. Um, and science is killer and the, the, what they're able to do for people in my situation and, and others nowadays is, um, um, leaps and bounds from what they could do even five years ago, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, um, was there any, that, was there any sort of, uh, did they give you, and I, I'm sure it's a no, but was there any sort of uh, reasoning on just to why it happened? Was it diet related or just kind of one of those things that creeped up or, you know, I asked them cause like I ended up having two different kinds of cancer cause they, 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 they found the tumor like inside my stomach. So then they do what they call a, um, laparoscopic surgery, which they send, they send two things inside of you. They, they, they make two cuts and they send a camera inside you to like physically, you know, um, explore the region and, and the outside region. And mine was in a weird spot. Like mine was in my stomach. So they're like, okay, well, when they wanted to check out like the outside of the stomach lining, like, you know, it's some crazy like testing that they got to do, but it's all part of the process to like, you know, make you a candidate for the surgery. Cause it, when they did the laparoscopic with me, it's two incisions. 
it's a camera that goes in and another tool that moves your organs out of the way for like this camera to like go do it, its job, you know? So they found um, nodules of mesothelioma on my abdomen wall, mm. which, you know, back to your question about it, like it was, it was, you know, I asked the, the, the specialist, I was like, Hey, um, did I do something to do this? Like, you know, I did, I do a brake job on my car and like sniff asbestos or swallow <laughs> it or some shit, you know? And he said, it could have been anything like they could, that cancer could have been, you know, just environmental and, you know, um, it just happened. But <clears throat> it's funny because like, had I not had the original cancer that I never would have needed a laparoscopic procedure to begin with, they never would have found the mesothelioma yeah. but for a minute. But for a minute when they were doing that test, you know, what they thought they were looking at was the same type of cancer that they saw in my stomach. Right. So like you, so like there was a minute there where I was like stage four plus 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 like give them chemo keep them comfortable you know um, I wouldn't have been a candidate to even get any kind of surgery so they found out it was a different type of cancer that was in my stomach so you know <laughs> there's like yes that makes you a candidate to get the surgery and the treatment after to to uh, try to knock out any nodules of mesothelioma that they would find like in there. Um, Am I going too deep into this for you? <laughs> no, um, no. I'm enjoying it, man, because I think it's important. I just, feel, I, just feel, I just feel like, you know, the more I can talk about, like, the more you can name the enemy, the better you're off, better off you are trying to kill it, you know? Absolutely. So, um, so they, you know, they, they took out 42 lymph nodes and my stomach and all this crazy surgery, like two surgeries and one surgery, and they didn't find one speck of cancer in one of the lymph nodes, which is like, holy shit, like, if you're going through it, that's the fucking jackpot. Like the best three words you can hear are nothing to see, you know? <laughs> so, you know, fortunately it's been, you know, after, after the surgery, I got, um, six months, well, five and a half months, um, of immunotherapy because they found out that, you know, the chemo didn't affect the cancer like they wanted it to. So they, they did the surgery and they wanted to be kind of like outro doses, you know, to, just to make sure that, you know, it trains your immune system to go out and kill like um, rogue cells that it finds, you know, it's pretty high tech shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm a beneficiary of that, too. You know, science is great. And, you know, I had a lot of good people to talk to along the way, you know, to help me out. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I want to be that. I want to be that ear for somebody who's like recently, you know, getting told that news, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so important. So important. Well, uh, you know, I appreciate the the insight on that and, and turning things around more of a happier note. Let's get into this tour. Let's man. talk metal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, Anthrax 40th anniversary tour. We got you in our neighborhood Friday, February the 17th at Riverside Municipal Auditorium in downtown Riverside. And oh, yeah. obviously long, long history with Anthrax, which we'll get into in a second, but kind of curious about your relationship with Zach Wilde and Black Label Society. Have you crossed paths with them a lot? And and now he's, he's brought the ultimate warrior out there on the road with him, too. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually made it into one of them videos. I was bullshitting <laughs> with somebody. Here comes Zach Wilde with this little figurine in his hand. He's like, ah, I was like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> but then I then I figured out, you know part of the show part of, <laughs> i actually watched watched it last night it's awesome the, the dudes from black label couldn't be more awesome they're they're super cool um you know 
they have a little lounge behind the behind one of the amplifier walls that everybody kind of kicks back in, you know, during our set and their set. And uh yeah. Lots of lots of um lots of good vibrations. And uh yeah, it's super fun. We're having a blast. Dude, we're lucky people. We we get to we get to wake up and go play music in the world every day. How awesome is that, you know? Yeah, super awesome. And and I imagine longtime old anthrax friends and, and family and you know, I always I never really thought about it till you guys pairing up together, but you kind of feel like the east and west coast of each other. Certainly thrash metal bands, but but with a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be able to laugh at yourself, dude. I mean, and not and not take it too seriously. You know, we got we got dark we got dark songs too, but you know, you kinda gotta kind of got to be able to make fun of the world even if it's you know um just bashing anybody or just talking shit basically <laughs> um but they're a great band and they're super super old friends of ours and we've been touring together since i dare say we weren't even all men yet and we were on <laughs> tour together so you know it's it's so incredible to like be able to share that journey part of that journey again at this stage you know what i mean versus that stage like they're they're two pretty much different animals but we're all the same people but man the fact that we're able to still like it's 2023 dude i think we toured with them in 87 that's a long time ago wow um so i think you know we're both bands are fortunate to you know have had a a longevity and you know stick to itiveness that um keeps the shit going you guys have never done the uh, anniversary card yet. Now you haven't done the anniversary tour. Is that something you would do? We did do a little bit of like 35th anniversary of bonded by blood. We were playing like bonded sets out there for a while. Um, With the re-record as far and our 40th has, has come and gone. So um, we'll be, I mean, we have to celebrate 45, I guess when that comes around. Yeah. <laughs> for something need to honor it some way, somehow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of cool to, to enjoy that longevity, you know? Absolutely. Saw you guys uh, last year, last spring on the Bay Strikes Back tour and talk about old friends. I mean, that must have felt like putting on a pair of old sneakers going out with Testament and Death Angel, the Bay Area <laughs> thrash bands. It's amazing. I mean, especially, you know, that, that tour has been through so much like crazy storms on a boat to, you know, COVID the OG, the OG coronavirus, you know, trying mm-hmm. to take some of us out, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> and you know, who knows, maybe that'll, maybe that'll happen again sometime down the road. We'll see. Yeah. I was going to say, I could imagine it'd be real easy to fall in that trap of just going out with your friends all the time and constantly doing that tour over and over again and taking it in different parts of the world, but you got to mix it up too at some point. Exactly. And, you know, we just got off a South American run where we played like, you know, a good solid hour, 40 minutes. And, you know, that felt good too to just, you know, go through the catalog a little bit, maybe pull out a couple of deep cuts that you haven't played for a while and um, put those songs out there again and play them live. And it's, it's fun. So, you know, we just played 45 minutes on this one, but it's killer. It's a brutal 45. It's like, Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> oh, you you tired? Bam, bam. <laughs> so, Relentless. <laughs> it is. There's only a couple of chuggers in there. The rest of them, you know, 
it's like it's a uh, uh, it's kind of a of a blast and then it's a blur and then it's over and you're like damn that was heavy what happened <laughs> you know i was going to ask with the catalog and and the 45 minute set i mean how many of the uh, persona non grata tunes are you fitting in which was a, an incredible album by the way thank you thanks a lot dude um we had a lot of fun making that music um we do because it's kind of old school exodus and anthrax so we do we do we do two off the new record and then we kind of like jump around a bit and then there's four bonded songs or four or five so um it's easier to cram the old ones in there because they're short <laughs> right some of the, some of the later ones are kind of uh you know they're they're kind of like a journey in one song which i love playing them too but we're not headlining so we just gotta you know go out and give them a 45 minutes of brutal and then yeah and then we get to watch zach and and then anthrax go to work now it's a pleasure to watch them all work <laughs> i had two questions for you about uh, persona non grata first and foremost my favorite tune on the album is your tune the years of death and dying and i understand that you wrote that one yeah i did that, that one started like a, as a poem and it was around i think uh the end of 2016 um all these we had a wave of like um you know legends that died and you know it started with glenn fry and then um you know david bowie anyway all these all these legends started falling so i just started writing a poem and then i told gary about it and he's like he's like that's awesome he's like keep going so you know i started writing them and now i don't know what's going on but like after this journey of cancer and covid and craziness like i got a bunch of stuff that i'm writing now whether whether it's for exodus or other stuff i don't know i just can't stop the flow you know that's so. great you got to lean into it and i was almost surprised you didn't uh, sing that one because it used to be the singer of exodus back in the day at one point <laughs> wow you did some homework bud yeah <laughs> um yeah it was, it was the music was easier I, I don't think i could sing like the beatings will continue and play drums <laughs> at the same time I'm pretty wrapped up in the in the cockpit of drumming at that point. <laughs> you know, that, speaking of that song, that was another song I wanted to bring up too because uh, the the very beginning of the song is is the countdown one two three four, which is usually done by the drummer by you, but that doesn't sound like your voice. Whose voice is that doing that countdown? That's actually um, some friends of ours. They were like cleaning out their shut their shit, and they like gave me a um, a. Uh, just a little four pad Yamaha thing. It had like drum sounds on it. And when we were writing persona, you know, Gary and me would jam all day, like in the, in my studio. And then we would go in my house and he would pick up an acoustic. Cause I, had, we just had guitars laying all over the place. So like inspiration was pretty awesome to find. Like it was, it was always out there. <laughs> anyway, it also had this thing, one, two, three, four. So I just, I just hit it. And I told our engineer, I'm like, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Because he, he, he originally had it as just one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And I'm like, no, I want this. <laughs> and like the guitar players were away. They were down in the bay for that week. So like I, we kind of like in the middle of them doing uh, lead tracks and, and rhythm tracks, like they all needed a break. So they went home. So I'm like, shit, well, me and the engineer are still here. So like that's when we went and did that. And we did... um. We did uh, the ending part of Lunatic Liar Lord, all the percussion stuff. We did all that, you know, had a couple whiskey sodas and just said, all right, let's go mess around with Jim, Jim, um, Jim and stuff. <laughs> it was pretty fun. 
Love it, man. Love it. And dude, one other thing I wanted to to get with you about is uh, we're one of those old school stations. We do mandatory metallic every night at 10 p.m., which you're going to be a part of. So I'm dying to know if you could tell the old story about you meeting Kirk Hammett back in the day. Um, it was kind of just, you know, I showed up, I I got kicked out of one high school and so they sent me another, sent me to another one. (laughs) Um, because that was, that was right when I was like learning how to play drums and like all I wanted to do was just immerse into music. It wasn't that the work was hard or, you know, I wasn't in a gang or nothing. I just wanted to, I just wanted to just play all the time. So anyways, I went to, I got kicked out of Richmond high and I went to De Anza high school and Kirk went to that school also. And, and, um, you know, he turned us all on to like, you know, I didn't know who UFO was or the scorpions or any of that shit. You know, I knew, I knew a little, I knew like, I knew a lot of punk rock and I knew a lot of reggae and I knew, you know, alternative musics. Um, but I didn't know about, about UFO and, and all that stuff. And, yeah, I remember going to his house for the first time, and he had a he had that Michael Shanker poster on his wall. You know the one, the flying he's got V, the black V. Yep. Yes. Um, apparently, Hammett owns that black V now. <laughs> really? <laughs> which is which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool how it came full circle like that. But um, you know, our high school days were awesome, dude. Like we 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 grew up like Kirk lived super rural in El Sobrane, and we just um. We'd go to his house and we'd buy beer or get somebody to buy us beer and we would just rock out all day long, dude. That was our that was our mission. That was our passion. And so, who made you want to pick up the drumsticks? Um, I originally played guitar a little bit. I used to say dabbled. Um, I was kind of um I was left handed, so I, I played left I am left handed, so I played left handed guitar. And, um, I did that for a couple of years in junior high. And then I just wanted to switch to drums. Um, the so switch to drums in the middle of the junior high school. And, um, they finally let me turn the kid around to left-handed. Then I could actually play cause I couldn't do shit right-handed. So, um, you know, that's where that journey started. <clears throat> I feel your pain, man. I'm a lefty living in a right-handed world like you, but I unfortunately got stuck with like the baseball glove only being for a right-hander. And so I'm kind of one of those weird ones where I write left-handed, I eat left-handed, but like I play sports, play drums right-handed because that's how everything was set up. Huh? Yeah. There's a lot of, um, a lot of drummers out there that are left-handed. So they play open-handed. Like a lot of yeah. people don't know this, but but Dave Lombardo is actually left-handed. Like his prominent hand is left. Huh. He um, so which makes him double badass because he can like you know <laughs> the way he goes into a drum, make he goes into a drum roll. He's got his one hand's got to climb over the other one. It's crazy, but you know <clears throat> through that he invented his own total sound. You know. Yeah. So- um. There's, you know, there's a lot of a lot of goofy foot left-handers out there too. Like like Will Carroll, I call him Goofy Foot because he's he's Lefty on the top of his body doing his rolls and stuff, but his his um, prominent foot is his right for a kick drum. So, ah, probably started off with just the one kick drum on the right side. My my kick drum, my right kick drum foot is pretty ridiculous. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have the same brain that the left one does. <laughs> so, 
gets you, me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> just to uh, put a button on the on the Metallica stuff and Kirk Hammond, I'd love the solo he did in Salt the Wound and uh, kind of curious because we want to play a tune for you on Mandatory Metallica. What's your favorite Metallica tune? You know what? It changes all the time, dude. Um, but, you know, I love Fight Fire with Fire. I would say that's like, I'm... I'm um, in my old school metal, I always um, gravitate towards the more aggressive stuff these mm-hmm. days anyway. So I'd say fight the fire. Fight opening, fire with fire. Opening yeah. track on Ride the Lightning. <laughs> yes. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time. Best of luck with the tour. Can't wait to see you out there on uh, February 17th in Riverside. Awesome. And then we'll be back two days later. <laughs> yeah, right in Anaheim. Play, play in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be at that be one awesome. too. Be at both of them. Can't wait to Thanks, see you, Tom. Mike. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you, buddy. You too. Safe travels. Bye-bye. Later. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety. Available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m. to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.